Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. I'm Kathy Barrett, and welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of life. And life is something we shouldn't do alone. So I invite you to spend the next 30 minutes with me as I reveal what's behind the curtain. Last week in the promo uh, for this coming show, I stated that Mary Mazzarella, our guest on today's show, was diagnosed with anal cancer when, in fact, it was rectal cancer. So I stand corrected on that and apologize for my mistake. As a person who has struggled with ulcerative colitis and colon issues for more than half of my life, today's show, Wake Up Call, really hits home for me. It's a difficult subject matter to discuss between two people that are close, yet alone in front of an audience, and it's especially delicate for the ladies. But we're breaking through that today by having an open and very detailed discussion about the bowel in the hope that what we share might just help to save a life. The American Cancer Society estimates that in 2011, close to 142,000 people will be diagnosed with colorectal cancer, and an estimated 49,000 of those people will die of the disease. It's the third most commonly diagnosed cancer and the third leading cause of cancer death, but if caught in the early stages, many of these deaths can be prevented. So our special guest today, Mary Mazzarella, a very wonderful friend of mine and someone I admire so, saw blood in her stool and took immediate action. She was misdiagnosed with hemorrhoids twice before a colonoscopy revealed she had colorectal cancer. And Laura O'Reilly, registered nurse, author, and founder of fitness to go also has a history of ulcerative colitis and is here to guide us with her wellness knowledge throughout the program. Welcome, ladies. It's an honor to have you both here today. Hello, hi Kathy, hi Laura, hi Mary. Great, Mary. So courageous of you to share your story with us. And again, Laura, thank you for your wellness expertise. This is such an important topic, so I really want to get right to it. Let's start with a snapshot of your life at the time, Mary. When I was diagnosed. Uh, I had an active life. I was married 30 years. I raised three children, have a stepchild. I had had a grandson, one grandson at the time. Like I said, an active life, working, going to the gym after work. Um, I would say that at that time of my life, I was suffering from anxiety from having had just recently lost my mother to pancreatic cancer. She and I I were very close. And um, my sister was also just recently diagnosed with breast cancer right before my diagnosis, um, where she was going to have to undergo a double mastectomy. So I had, like, those stresses going on with my life, uh, but as well as good things. I was planning my daughter's wedding, you know, my second daughter's wedding. Um, but, when I, but, like, when you said I had the rectal bleeding, that threw me for a loop. I went to the doctor right away because I knew first I had blood in the stool, and then when I was rectally bleeding, I knew there was something really wrong. Because I am a person that really is proactive with my health. I go to the doctor, you know, for all my checkups. The only thing I never did do was have a colonoscopy when I was 50, which is something else we could probably talk about. But um, 
my doctor was on vacation, so I went to another doctor at the time, and he couldn't uh, give me the proper exam. He didn't have the scope, so he referred me to a doctor that he said would be able to perform the exam. When I went to this doctor, he asked me 100 questions. He scoped me and told me that I had stage 1 internal hemorrhoids. Okay, he told me to just do a high-fiber diet and gave me suppositories. So I did that, but in the meantime, I did make an appointment for colonoscopy. Uh, but I didn't think there was any big rush because nobody mentioned cancer to me. Like that word never even entered the equation. So when I had, when, when I saw I wasn't getting better, because he did tell me if I don't get better to come back, when I wasn't getting better, I was still waiting to have the colonoscopy. I went back. Again, he asked me another millions of questions, scoped me again, and told me that it escalated to level two or stage two hemorrhoids, and that there are four stages. Like I said, I never knew anything about hemorrhoids. And then just talking around to people, you'd you'd be amazed to find out how many people have had hemorrhoids, truly have had them in their life. So I'm just thinking, okay, this is what I have. But when I saw I wasn't getting better, uh, I want to back up. He did tell me the second time, um, since I wasn't improving, he would give me the name of a hemorrhoid specialist who would laser these hemorrhoids and eradicate them from my body. And I knew right there and then, this is something wrong with this picture, you know. Let me, I'm not doing this. I'm just going to go have my colonoscopy and take it from there. Again, I thought Can I ask colonos- you a quick question? Sure. As, you're, as we're going forward, because I'm wondering if people who are listening, you know, anybody now who, who, who finds some blood on toilet tissue might have a scare. Um, blood is definitely a sign of hemorrhoids. So yeah. don't be scared if you should, you know, happen to see blood. Right. But did I have two quick questions because your story is fascinating and I'm interested in hearing it as is everybody else. Did they test the blood and did did you did you get a digital rectal exam or did he actually visually observe the area? No, he just put one of those rubber scopes up there. Okay. You know, you know, on the table twice. He no, mm-hmm. no nothing other than that. But and you know, did, I found out later on that that mm-hmm. tumor was so low. You know, the when I I had three surgical opinions and they felt it with their finger. That's how low it was. Wow. So it astounds me that this. And he he was a general surgeon. You know, um, didn't know that I had a tumor rather than hemorrhoids. Interesting. Crazy. Did they test the yeah. blood well, did, before they no, did they anything? Never, did, he did. He never tested the blood. No. Because yeah, wow. because that's enough. Was it a dark blood, a light blood? It do, was a mucousy blood, and then but okay. towards as it, as it was getting more progressive, it was pretty bright red. But it oh, started okay. out like mucus, uh, separate from the stool. Because that's very interesting. Because they say you know there's there are two types of blood, and Frank blood is the bright red blood, mm-hmm. and they normally don't associate that type of blood with a cancer. Usually, if somebody's got an intestinal or, you know, colon cancer, they say, Kathy, and you would know this from your experience with Crohn's, you know, you want to look for the dark, they call it melanin, the dark blood, and that's that's the blood that's more of the telltale sign. But yours yours definitely presented like hemorrhoids. Yeah, I well, get well, I, and I, And like I said, so I, I then I had the colonoscopy, and then when I woke up from the anesthesia and he, the gastroenterologist told my husband and I that I had cancer, I mean, I'm like, I remember saying, you mean I don't have hemorrhoids? You know, I, I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. 
a wow. shock. I was disbelief. I, I was so angry that I didn't have a colonoscopy sooner because he remember him saying that to me. Why didn't you come here when you were 50 years old? I was 54 at the time uh-huh. of my diagnosis, you know. And um, okay, you know, then, let, let, let me let me stop everybody for a, a second because that's really important because 50 is the age mm-hmm. when which is recommended by the American Cancer Society and uh-huh. uh, the National Cancer Association for everyone, as Mary said, to go and get a colonoscopy. And that's if you have no history of any kind of you know cancer in your family, like cancer no. in your family. So um, that's an important thing to bring up. And then also, Laura, what you were saying is, you know, I, you know, I just went to the Mayo Clinic, who I, I don't know, I respect the Mayo Clinic very much. And the symptoms for uh, colorectal cancer and hemorrhoids are very similar. That's a fact. Now, you know, Mary, you're mentioning something else. I can't speak in terms of someone doing the rectal examination and being able to tell the differences, uh, like you're saying, between the hemorrhoid and between a tumor. So that's, you know, but but the great thing about it is that you recognize for yourself that things were not right, and that's another important, no. you know, issue. I think another that I was experiencing, you know, after the bleeding was as time went on, it was extreme rectal pressure. Like, oh, I knew that. I, I don't care. that the, With hemorrhoids, that can't be normal to have the pressure I was experiencing. Were you know? your bowel pressure pressure normal? You feeling all the time? <clears throat> I'm sorry. Go ahead, yes. Laura. It, 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 it actually, it, up to the time I had my colonoscopy, finally, yes, the pressure was, was unreal. So um, back to the pressure. I'm, now I'm wondering, was it causing obstruction? Were you having difficulty? And, and as Kathy prefaced when she opened the show, we're, we're getting, like, down and dirty here in our talk, all right? Like, yeah. How were your BMs? I mean, were you able to go? Were you constipated? Yeah. Did you have oh yeah, diarrhea? no, I was. No, I was going regularly, but I, I would feel like that all the time. I'm, the pressure I'm describing is pressure of, that you have to have a bowel movement all the time. Right, right, uh, right. You, you know, your body. Now, I mean, I knew when I did have to have and when I didn't, but I don't know. Your, my mind just learned how to do that, but that was the kind of pressure I, I, I like. And, you know, also it was very interesting, and they, um, this is a telltale sign, the quality of your stool is know, an indicator I, I, of your health. I ask you that. They say they're, they're long and thinner when you have the tumor. Yes, um, they're like right. pencils. It comes out like no, pencils. They were, mine were, I have to say, it wasn't like that. Very, I, see, I, were I they like regular shape? Mm. Oh, now, they we're gonna, now we're going to have... Mayor, were they regular size shapes? Yes, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear both. Yes, it was pretty normal. Like that I don't remember very different, you know. And also, Mm -hmm. until you have a disease, I mean, again, Kathy and I both have the history of having the, um, I've had ulcerative colitis and she's got the Crohn, and this Mm -hmm. just blindsided you. Yeah, it really did. I never had colon issues. I never had Anything, anything. I was always I a pretty healthy person. Right. So, so who knew? Who knew to look at their stool? I look. You know, I'm trained yeah, to look. Yeah. I mm-hmm. so because I'm always checking for blood in my stool because of, of of my history with the disease. But the average person does not, and I think this is a good opportunity to tell people that it's not an attractive thought. But mm-hmm. take a look once in a while and see what's coming out of your body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because listen, you you know, we have to be responsible for that, and we are. If we're not checking these things, no one else is checking them. 
You exactly. know, it's really important. So let's go back to the point of diagnosis because, um, as Laura said, this is a shock to you, mm-hmm. okay? This is really a shock. So what's going on for you at that moment emotionally and you oh, know, hard, like, like, like I said, shock, your... anger, I was disbelief, I felt so vulnerable. I'm like, I felt like I could really die, you know, because yes. they didn't know at that point if the cancer went beyond the bowel wall, if it went, you know, uh, into my lymph nodes. I, so I had to take it from yes. there to, like, go through all the CAT scans, the PET scans to find out if it did, in fact, metastasize, and if it did go through the bowel wall, because all of that... Uh, will be uh, be important for the treatment that I would get. So I did have to have an endoscopic ultrasound where I had to prep again like a colonoscopy where they would detect it went through the bowel wall, and it did. So the cat and PET scan at that time did not show any lymph node um, having to have the cancer, which was a good thing. But the fact that it went through the bowel wall affected the kind of treatment that I would have. So that that warranted my having to have 36 radiation treatments prior to the uh, the resection because they had planned to re, you know cut out the tumor and resect it, and and the big thing was they told me that I would have to have an, an ostomy, you know even a temporary one which really blew my mind you know because let's face it nobody wants to have to deal with that either. And uh, But they told me I would have to have that because um, this, the, the tumor was so low. And in order, when they remove it and connect the colon, they um, it, it needs time to heal down there. And if you literally, if you poop, let's say, you know, it'll, it won't heal. You'll become septic, you know, and you could die. That's so I had to have the radiation. I had to have um, eight chemo treatments all prior to... Um, the resection. So then, you know, they let your body heal from all the, you know, chemo and radiation. So you take a little time off, you know. At that time, I actually felt good because the radiation shrunk the tumor so much that it got rid of that rectal pressure I was telling you about. So that Mm -hmm. was, that. I I actually felt good at that time. I knew I still had cancer growing in my body and I had to have surgery, but, you know, I, I was feeling good after that treatment. You know, going through the horrendous side effects that radiation and chemo, you know, put you through too. And then I had the surgery, a four-hour surgery. Um, the, he was very happy with the margins, my surgeon. Um, and I had the uh, ileostomy put in. And um, then I had to heal from that. And be and they, the, it was textbook treatment, Laura. Um, really, the, after that, they suggest since I, it went through the bowel wall, in case any lymph nodes, you know, they go awry, you know what I mean, that they, they you know, even though the, the cassian doesn't pick them up, they really recommend that you have additional chemo. And that was so the hard to treat you systemically. It's, the radiation is very specific to the tumor, and then the chemo is more systemic, and this way... Oh, it doesn't are, come back. Are, you know, the cancer correct. doesn't come back. And that was the really rough, chemo because that chemo I had to have another surgery to put the port in my under my collarbone and I would go for treatments um for two hours with one for five or few one type of chemo and then um I would go home and a nurse would come to my house and he or she would hook me up I wore like a fanny pack of chemo for 46 hours mm-hmm. um and it was another chemo that had different side effects it, it, neuropathy was one of them 
Um, so I was very grateful that I didn't have chemo in the winter months, but rather in the summer months because of what neuropathy can do to your body. And, you know, that that was tough, you know. And, you know, but I got through that. Um, you know, yeah, you have your ups and downs with your cell counts, you know, which procrastinates your treatment and, and all. But I was a pretty, I was, well, I think I got cured quicker because I was in good health prior to, you know. You know, like a lot other people that have, you know, other issues like you girls did or, you know, diabetes or high blood pressure or people who smoke, you know, that's uh, not going to, never in your favor when you have to go through treatments like this, you know. Yeah, as a matter of fact, can I chime in for a second? Sure, um, sure. Thank goodness, because, you know, Mary, you had said you were in good health and you were a self-advocate and you always took care of your health. And, mm-hmm. again, to um, throw some information out at our audience, you know, there are, there are different reasons why these cancers develop, and um, we can't ever exactly pinpoint it. Sometimes it's genetic, sometimes it's lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Sometimes um, when you would talk about have, you talk about having anxiety. Anxiety uh-huh. causes that fight or flight immune response, and I, and that I believe re- that mm-hmm. that could wreak havoc on the mucosa lining of your intestine and colon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't want people who who suffer from these um, autoimmune disease or these inflammatory responses to ever blame their behaviors or themselves for developing illness because I think that's a stigma attached to it. People um, people sometimes just don't understand how how they develop the cancer. But the most important thing that Mary just said is she had a strong immune system. And that's where, regardless of how healthy we are, you know, we just don't know if the cancer can develop. You hear these stories about people who never smoked getting lung cancer, for example. Right. But mm-hmm. but if we take care of ourselves, if we if we get our regular screenings, we can detect something early. Um, yours, I, I you know, yours was just um, uh, uh, really a, a strange predicament. Where thank you know, God I had the regular bleeding. I'm telling you, right. I wouldn't be here today. Had, right, but even but even with that, you know, you had it, it wasn't immediately diagnosed. But I guess the point mm-hmm. I'm making is. Thank God you had a strong immune system because if you do have a strong immune system, you eat a healthy diet, you get regular exercise, your 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 capability to withstand chemotherapy is increased as well mm-hmm. as your your own natural immune ability to fight off disease. So, yeah. you know, thank thank God, you know, your story yeah. has a has a happy ending, and um, I believe that uh, your previous physical condition may have been a large contributor to your ability to handle all of this. And I had, you know what, Laura and Kathy, wonderful support system. You know, I mean, a loving husband, my kids, my my one daughter, she's a health professional herself, you know, who pointed me in the right directions, you know, many times also. And and, and that got me through it, truly. And um, and right now, I mean... I yes. just want to go back a second because I think these are all they're all important things and I just want to highlight some of them. Number one, for the people listening out there, what stopped you from getting the screening at 50? Because I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this that are out there listening. What stopped me? What stopped asking? you from going to get the screening I know, screening it's so at silly. It's so ridiculous. I watched my husband prep for colonoscopy and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. So I just kept putting it off, putting it off. And it, that's the irony of it all, all about a prep. In the meantime, yeah. I, I've been through a million preps already with all the different procedures I've had done. 
I mean, right. my rectum is never going to be the same. I mean, I had two-thirds of it. I have two-thirds of it left. You right. know what I mean? So that's the yeah. irony of this all. Like, if you just get through that prep, it's no big deal. Think you know, of it and as that, a that's what prevented me from Your it. And I'll tell you something yeah. else. Because yeah. of, of my... When I went, when I went, what I went through, so many people in my family and friends have had colonoscopies. So I'm very happy to hear great. that. <laughs> That's great. And I want to add something, too, because when we say prep, for those people that have not had a colonoscopy and don't know what we're talking about, you have to drink a lot of liquids. In other words, really what you're doing is cleaning out your system. Now, I have had, like I said, I've had ulcerative colitis. They don't know what I have, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's. I've been diagnosed with, you know, or thought that I may have had both. I've had parasites at one point in my life, and what I can tell you is, I've done. If they would just give frequent flyer miles, you would people would be jumping, you know, to get colonoscopies. Now I say that, you know, as a joke, but it's it's right. that's how many I've had. I would be mm-hmm. able to go back and forth to Tahiti. It's just cleaning out your system, and although it may be uncomfortable for one evening, it's you know your life is in your hands. So really, if you start trying, you put one thing in one hand and the other point and the other, you know, it's it's absolutely nothing to take one day out of your life to clean out your system, which you'll actually feel fabulous the next day because mm-hmm. all of those toxins will be removed. So it's it's there's nothing to fear. There's no pain. You go to sleep, you're up and, you know, ready yeah, to the, hit the world shortly thereafter. There is absolutely nothing to fear about this. Nope, nope, nope. So I highly yeah. recommend everyone. And, uh like you say, even if you have a family history, they say that you should do do it 10 years sooner. You know, if you can get your insurance yeah. covered. That's another thing. A lot of insurance companies won't even pay for it, uh, you know, before 50. Well, yeah, that's, you know, that's changing. So that's another um, issue. Yeah. In the Health Care Reform Act, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. moving forward, most insurance companies will be, and check with your own insurance company to see if this is something that will be happening, but in order to encourage people to do preventive screenings, some insurance companies are doing away with co-pays for screenings. They should. It's so much more cost-effective to yeah, just have yeah, the test absolutely. and then to treat the disease. Somebody told me colon cancer costs $200,000 to cure. Uh, wow. You know, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, well yeah. It's true. And you know, that's, that's something, too, we should think about. You know, it takes, like, about 15 seconds to, to send off an email to uh, your representatives, you know, mm-hmm. stressing how important it is that, you know, everyone, especially after 50 or 40, if you have a history of it, mm-hmm. um, really should be able to get screening once a year. You know, uh, if all of these deaths can be prevented and this can lower the cost of health care, that's all it takes is 15 minutes to send an email out to your representatives saying how important this is to you. Absolutely. Election. Absolutely. And so also... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Now, as a resource, um, the American Cancer Society and the National Cancer Institute websites have a lot of valuable information about screenings and um, certain cancers, and um, you know, women for women for for mammographies and men for prostate, and then everybody for all of the other various screenings. I encourage everybody to follow the lead of their physician and get the necessary screenings because they really do save lives. Early detection is the key to, to effective treatment. As it is. Mary can I, have those, 
I have those numbers for the National Cancer, uh, Cancer Institute, 800 for cancer or the American Cancer Society is 800-227-2345, or as Laura said, go to their website. Mary, let's talk about how did your life shift from this challenge? Oh, uh, how did it shift? Oh, you mean when I was diagnosed, you mean? Well, in other words, like... How did you, well, a couple of questions. Let me go back. How did you manifest the courage to face the challenge? Like you said, your life flashed before you, right? You're probably thinking the worst-case scenario, I may not live through to make it through this. So how did you manifest the courage at that point to face all the things you had to face? Because it does take an, an enormous amount of courage to go through all of that, the, the physical procedures that you went through. So emotionally, I, how did you Well, I think um that? Well, how I manifested the coverage, first of all, I wanted to live. <laughs> you know, I, there you I, go. You know I, I wanted to live. You know, I have, you know, my girls who just married. I just became a grandmother, you know. Um, and, and I feel like I felt lucky that I was given hope, you know. Like my mom was not. You know, my mother was diagnosed. She died two two years prior to my being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she, you know, just had symptoms and she was dead in two months. You know, and the mm-hmm. fact that when when they saw that my cancer did not metastasize, and I was given hope provided I go through all the textbook treatment, you know, I, I felt that gave me the courage, you know, to move on. And, and again, I want to stress, I had a great support group. There were days that I did have a pity party. I was feeling sorry for myself, you know, but I had, you know, my my daughters, my my husband, well, my friends. I have very wonderful friends including you, Kathy, you were so instrumental in getting me through really rough patches. Are you kidding me? And um, that really helped me. I got to just pick up and, and, and go on and fight this thing, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's, that, yeah. that's it in a nutshell, well, really. Well, also, though, but you, did you change... Um, I mean, all of us, I feel, because I know each, you know, I know you, Laura, for a long time. I'm Mary, I know for a long time, and I know myself. And we all tend to put too much stuff on our plate, but especially Mm -hmm. you girls, because you're mothers. And I think, um, you know, this happens for women in general, but for those who are mothers and grandmothers, you know, you, the children come first, and, you know, it's, it's, tough for you to take that time for yourself so has that changed for you I mean do you I know you're still caring for your children and your grandchildren and you're still the selfless person that I've always known but do you take any time for yourself do you meditate do you stop and say wait a minute okay great I always did but no I just do it more often I'm a very big prayer you know um Mm-hmm. And I do meditate. It does. It gets you through it. And I talk to my parents all the time. I talk, and I feel like they're there and they can hear me. You know, we were very close. You know, um, I'm so grateful. I, all I could say is I had three new grandbabies born after my cancer oh, boy. Uh, treatment. So I have four little boys in my life. You know, I, I'm just so <laughs> lucky. I'm so blessed. Um, truly. And, yes, yeah, so I think I don't take things for granted anymore if I ever used to. I, I, I try to walk around with a smile on my face, you know, just be happy, surround myself with positive people. I, I don't like to be around negativity, you know, and that's even with that doctor. 
you know, who misdiagnosed me at that time even. I was so angry at him. And my daughter, she said, you know, Ma, you, you can't go with the negative. You have to just focus your energy on getting better, you know. Maybe now I'll write him a letter. I feel like writing him a letter just to let him know what happened. <laughs> well, I think you should definitely write him a letter, but you're right. I mean, you know, Send him a link to this show, letter. Mary. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Send him the okay, link to this show. Sarah. That's actually Perfect. a very good idea. I like that yeah. one. Save yourself let's some time. In, let's inspire him. Let's inspire uh-huh. him. Well, be because he's, on, he's only human, too. And, again, it presented exactly. as something that he probably saw a million times, and and he was just following well, the course. Well, but I, I, had, I had three opinions, you know, when I went for surgery. You know, they say you should always get opinions. And I... Two of the surgeons went to a really excellent, and when the one found out that I was misdiagnosed with hemorrhoids, he was pissed. Wow. You know, he was. Well, maybe we should He himself knew somebody who died. He told me a story of he knew somebody, a young woman in her 30s, who was ladies, told she hold, had hold hemorrhoids. One, ladies, Mary, hold on one second. I just want to say on the air, we're going a little long today, okay? Oh. So the show, if you're listening, is... Hold on, the show is going to cut off, but stay with me because if you go into archives, people will be able to hear the show. Okay, okay. so we'll probably go a couple of minutes, but go ahead. I'm sorry, I just wanted oh, to. Oh, so this is this is like the Oprah show. after show, right? This is the <laughs> Oprah after show. <laughs> I wish. Okay, so I'm sorry, Mary. Continue. No, so he just had told me this one surgeon of a story of a woman, a young woman in her 30s, who was told she had hemorrhoids because she had just had a baby. And because um, right away, you know, oh, a young girl in her 30s is rectally bleeding. It must be hemorrhoids for sure. You know, she's had a baby, and she didn't um, have hemorrhoids, and she died. You know, so he was really this one surgeon I went to. He was really upset. Um, if I I developed um, ulcerative colitis after the birth of my first child, and my first signs of rectal bleeding were uh, occurred probably about two months after my child was born, and I, too, was told that I had hemorrhoids until I was having mucousy stool for about a month and lost weight very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sent to a GI and diagnosed with this illness, which has fortunately, thank God, been in remission for many, many years, but I just turned 50 this year, and September 7th, I will be there at the uh, outpatient surgical center having my scope. You don't mm-hmm. play, ever, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, sometimes things are misdiagnosed and sometimes they do have tra- tragic consequences and people have to speak up. And, and a lot of people are fearful because they think that the medical professionals know better than they do. And, mm. you know, if your gut is telling you one thing and, and the physician's telling you the other, you know, unturn every stone. You know, turn turn every stone and, and you know, make sure that uh, you get a clean bill of health. So really listen to your body. You, yeah, we right. all know our body better than anybody. Absolutely. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct, and you have to trust your own instincts, like mm-hmm. Mary said, because we all know what's best for ourselves, and we should get different opinions because uh, everyone is human. You know, people make mistakes, and that mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, and that includes all of us. So, ladies, I have to have you back because there are many, many more issues I want to discuss about this, especially, Mary, how you chose your team of doctors. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of information that still needs to get out. So I'm going to schedule another show with you guys, and we'll come back and discuss more about this. Thank so, you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. I have questions for you, too. I thank you for your generosity of sharing your story, and I'm looking forward to hearing more. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Laura. 
Thank you very much. And you too. I just want to I want to thank Mary Mazzarella for the courage and for sharing your journey with us because I really applaud how you went through the process and how you handled challenges with such grace and calmness. And I am humbled by your generosity and friendship in sharing your journey of healing with us today. Uh, Laura, fitsagofitnessandhealth.com. I appreciate you so much. Also sharing your health challenges on the program. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. And for your wisdom and experience that you bring to the program you know, when when you come, and this is your second appearance here with us. My wish for this week is for everyone to be proactive in their health. Don't take your life for granted. Your body is a lot more precious than the car you're driving, and yet most of us take better care of our cars. You're the driver of your life. Treat yourself like the precious cargo, cargo you are. And, you know, take time for yourself, all you moms and grandmothers out there as well. And so we invite you to fan the show on Facebook. If you missed uh, BTR Live, you can listen to the show in archives. Our website is up, uh, gobehindthecurtain.com, or you can hear it, uh, the show in archives, by going to blogtalkradio.com slash behindthecurtain, all one word. Tune in every Tuesday at noon. I'd love to be your office mate. This is a no-calorie show, so have us for lunch. You can also load your BTC onto your iPod. Take us on your walks and your run. I'd love to be a part of your week, and I invite you to be a part of mine. Next week, Take Me Home, Anne Gershevsky, who is an amazing pianist and a volunteer at the new Fairfield Sherman Animal Welfare Society, will be here to talk about the Sherman Shelter and all the wonderful work they're doing. There are so many beautiful animals in need of a home, and if you have ever thought about adopting this is the program for you. You can go to www.petfinder.com slash shelter slash nfsaw.html to see photographs of those beautiful animals looking for a home. This is Kathy Barrett taking care of her health from behind the curtain, and I'll be back next week, and I hope that all of you will tune in and be with me. 